All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 217 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, and it's brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano.ca. And oh my goodness, is uh, there could be lots of things to wager on Botano right now if they want to do a lot of prop bets because uh, the NHL playoffs, well, Maybe a lot of the games haven't been super close, although the Florida-Toronto series, I think those games have definitely been closer than, than most of the other series uh, overall. Carolina's lots of blowouts. Uh, Dallas Round two has been allergic to close games. Yeah, uh, except that one series. But, man, there's lots of things uh, going on uh, elsewhere right now, Frank. So we're going to get to the playoffs, and trust me, we've got lots to talk about, especially from the Edmonton-Vegas series. But let's start in your hometown of uh, Philadelphia, and did you did you see the Carlson-esque tweet that was sent out by the Flyers? That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Oh, my God. The, uh, the, the tweet from the Flyers today about the new era of orange, I was dying. That's got to be one of the greatest, funniest tweets I've seen in quite some time. It's not quite as funny as a team that spent a few hundred thousand dollars hiring two search firms to tell them to hire their own broadcaster. <laughs> I mean, that is that is next level efficiency right there. Um, I mean, look, Keith Jones has he's been the Flyers color guy for basically as long as I can remember. Fifteen years, seven, 17 years. It's been a long, long time. He's been on morning radio in Philadelphia f- for 20 some years as a radio guy. Super smart. It's clearly it. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I love Keith Jones. Like he's an amazing guy. Uh, he's one of the funniest bastards you'll ever meet. I'm just, I, I think this, I, I think if this role is to be a public facing conduit from uh, front office to fans and to essentially speak directly to them to help this team become relevant again. Like the marketing aspect of this is so critical because for the first time in my entire life, I've lived in Philly from, you know, since I was born, I've never seen the flyers not be relevant. And that's what they've become irrelevant. So that's the biggest thing is, is you got to get everyone on board and Keith Jones can help do that. 
And I, I'd suspect without having heard anyone speak yet, their press conferences are scheduled for Friday, that that's exactly the plan is Danny Briere will run hockey ops. Keith Jones, of course, having watched and kept a close eye on the game as a broadcaster for the, these last number of years will be a guiding voice and a guiding light. But Danny Briere is going to be the one, I would think, making the final say and pulling the trigger on decisions and make no mistake, John Tortorella is going to have an enormous seat at the table. He is, I'd say, maybe outside of Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, he is the most powerful coach in the league right now. More than Cooper in Tampa Bay? Uh, I, I would think so. I, I don't think Cooper has even one shred of really any say in Julian Breezeball's world. Okay. I'm not saying they don't get along or he's not consulted, but he's not making any calls. On that. So you think Tortorella is going to be making like, oh, we want to sign this free agent? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like, watch the last handful of games of the season. He was upstairs in the press box, not on the bench, advising Danny Briere on what was happening in real time. Yeah. I don't know why you would need to do that. By the way, it makes no sense. Like, what is he possibly telling him in the moment that he couldn't tell him on video? But nonetheless, it signals to me uh, the influence that John Tortorella has. And he's referenced multiple times in their press release. And you could even read the words in their, you know, new slogan, the new era of orange that you were just talking about. <laughs> he, it's almost like you can hear the words coming from his mouth. You got to work your ass off. They actually said that ass yeah, in their statement. They did. So doesn't that sound like something Torts would say? Yeah, so, like, Danny Briere was a finalist for the Montreal uh, job. Like, he's, you know, he's well-respected as, you know, smart guy, being around the league for quite some time. What do you make about, now, he's been the interim guy for a while. Like, this isn't very shocking, I wouldn't think. Is it shocking to you? You're closer to it than I am. Not shocking to me. This was a fait accompli. Uh, they, they never interviewed anyone for the position, like he was essentially anointed interim GM and then just ripped the, the name tag off and is now permanent. Um, what I love about Danny Briere is he works. He was just at the under 18 worlds in Switzerland. He's in rinks all the time. He's constantly watching talent. Uh, he's got a great eye for it. He's sort of been, he's always been one of the smartest guys in, in the room in whatever room he's been in. And he's not one of those people that's going to tell you that, which I love even more, but having spent a lot of time around him when he was a player and covering him, uh, he certainly has a ton of intelligence and, and that eye for talent that I think is so critical. You have to be the GM in any organization needs to be the best talent evaluator. And that's that suits him really well. So I, I think that's going to take him a long way. And I think he also really understands and just having him on our frankly speaking pod a few weeks back, he understands this is going to be a long process that they're not trying as much as they said, our goal is to win in that statement. They're not trying to do this overnight. Like they know this is going to be a, he hasn't put a timeline on it, but this is going to be a five year exercise to get there. And are they expecting Sean Couturier to play next year? I believe they are. Okay. And they're um, also Ryan, expecting Cam Atkinson to play next Cam Atkinson to play. Uh, obviously, uh, Ryan Ellis doesn't look like it. doesn't sound like no, he's Ryan Ellis play. is done. Yeah. Um, James Van Riemsdyk, they oh. gonna, is he going to walk? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to be got curious. decisions to make. Like, oh, yeah. Overov, D'Angelo. I'd imagine that Kevin Hayes is gone. Um, they're going to find someone to take him. I think with Tony D'Angelo, they're going to try and repair that relationship with John Tortorella. I, I don't know how successful that's going to be. Um, and then I'm, I think the big question is, does Danny Briere want to trade Ivan Provorov? Is he willing to? Because I think there's risk. And maybe that's not the first move you want to make as GM because I think he's a good player and could look really good somewhere else. Yeah, so it'll be fascinating to see what the what goes on in Flyer in the in the new Orange Frank the uh, the new era of Orange. Now, which by the way was a hint and a nod to the fact that they're bringing back 
They're yes. orange jerseys. Well, I was going to say, uh, I, at the end of it, I was like, well, didn't they announce they're bringing back the jerseys? They just could have had this one out with that one. But I don't know if you remember that scene from Slapshot, though. That's all I heard about today. The, the speech in the room, oh, with the Hanson brothers. God, it makes me laugh every time. That's what we're here for, guys. To win. Yeah. Oh, so good. You said, yeah, uh, you meant the... the the C A R L S O N, the Carlson brothers. I thought yeah. you, when you said it, I was like, Eric Carlson. Like, what? When did he no. say this? No, no, not not the uh, not the Ted Lindsay finalist, but um, the uh, the Carlson brothers, man, from Slapshot, one of the still one of my favorite uh, greatest hockey movies of all time. Now. Um, let's get to the, uh, the Oilers Vegas series, a little bit of spice, uh, in the final few minutes of that game. Uh, what a crazy series. Uh, basically, uh, Edmonton dominates the even number games and Vegas, uh, dominates the odd number games. Uh, they're tied at two. It's a best of three going back to Vegas for game five. It will be the late game because Toronto won to extend their series. Uh, let's start with the Petrangelo slash Frank. Honestly, I'm trying to, I was racking my brain being like, when's the last time we've seen a guy you know, come from above his head, Frank, well after the puck is gone and go right at a guy's arm. Like, it's been a long time. It was a sore loser slash is what that was. I mean, oh. it was idiotic on so many levels. Like, you have to think that Alex Petrangelo knows that this now being a best of three has opened himself up to sitting out one of those three. And as the Golden Knights' best defenseman and certainly their leader on the back end, man, that's that's a tough look. I think he think has to be only one. You I, think there, I think there's a chance for two. If Bunting got three. I don't think there's a chance for two because we've heard the NHL acknowledge that the later it goes in a series, the the more that weighs on a suspension. Honestly, I think they're deliberating this morning that, you know, is it a fine? Is it a suspension? That's where I think the edge is. I think for me, there's not even any question in my mind what this is. It's, it's a one game suspension and it's, it's for a million reasons. The department of player safety has to be just that it needs to be a deterrent. If you're going to allow someone to take a baseball swing in the last few minutes of a meaningless game with a game that's out of hand on the you a star player on the best. That's what I was just getting out of my mouth on the leading score of the playoffs. I don't care with what force it was or ultimately ended up being. And I don't care that he wasn't injured on the play. You have to be a deterrent and you have to send a message that that is wholly unacceptable. I, I think that's what they're going to do. But I could also see them twisting themselves into a mental pretzel on a number of different fronts. Well, it wasn't that hard. And, well, he wasn't hurt. And, you know, maybe the end result is, you know what, we're not going to create any advantage or disadvantage for anyone in this series, and we're going to keep the suspension for Darnell Nurse and for Alex Petrangelo, and it'll essentially end up being a wash. We're going to take the best defenseman off the ice for both teams. And I think that would be a crime because Darnell Nurse doesn't explode if Alex Petrangelo doesn't swing his stick like that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, did you see Mark Stone's comment where he said Nick Haig asked Nurse to fight off the faceoff? And so, I did not see that. I, yes, uh, he was quoted by Jesse Granger in the in the room. And that he said, hey, uh, Hag asked him to fight, and then Stone's like, and then he jumped him later. I watched the replay a lot of times. Does Nurse skate 15 feet at uh, Hag? 100%. But Hag, I think, knows it's coming. Their, glo- their gloves are off pretty much simultaneously, Frank. And It was just a Hague- fight. It was an end-of-game fight that they decided yeah. to send a message on. Yeah. Uh, so and- I don't think there's any – I don't think there should be any suspension for Darnell Nurse. But I don't well, know how you – they have to rescind it, right? Because keep in mind, if yeah, you get an instant on her – yeah, it's automatic, but the league can rescind it, and they have rescinded instigators before. And for the ones that, that were, um, I, I thought, maybe even more egregious than that one. So I, I definitely think the precedent is there, but I agree with you. I think the league could go, well, we're, Nurse gets an automatic game, so we're going to give Petrangelo a game. And I, I don't know. I don't think that's very fair, to be honest. That's bullshit. But I think Because uh, that slash by Petrangelo, the time of the game – how late after the play, the dry side, like dry It wasn't side. a hockey play. There was nothing yeah. about that that was a hockey play. 
And he backhanded the puck to an empty net a good eight, six strides beforehand. So, and, and, the, and the thing I don't understand about it is, you know, now the orders were physical on Petrangelo. This guy's won a Stanley Cup. Like, they were the most disciplined league in the regular team in the regular season by quite a while, uh, ways, excuse me. And in this series, they've come unraveled. Like, they've taken way more penalties than they're used to. And um, it's, it's almost like Petrangelo was mad that, you know, Kane had hit him hard, uh, McDavid had hit him hard in that game. And, you know, to go after a guy's arm like that, like it was – you don't see that from Petrangelo, who's a Stanley Cup winner very often. It, it kind of – well, it really shocked me just at the timing of it. And it was so blatant. Like, when you watch the replay, it wasn't a little, you know, little tap. This guy came across, it was literally like, you know, when you go to the carnival game, Frank, and I'm sure you're in there, you're trying to impress your wife because she loves the, she loves all the stuffies. And so you got your big hammer and you're going to pound down to see if you can ring the bell. Well, that's, a, he did that far of a swing above his head. Your wife loves the stuffies, huh? No, yours, not mine. Oh, yeah. Right. I thought your wife loves the car. Like she loves going to Disneyland. So she probably loves the stuffies. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's uh, I, it has to be a suspension. And by the way, I do have a criticism of the Oilers. Sure. Why on God's green earth are Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on the ice in that stage of the game? Well, it's a you know four what? to one game in the last couple minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is the moment Warren Fogle was born for. Yeah, fair point. Like I, I just, point. I, 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 it's inexcusable to me, especially given how much they've been ridden in these playoffs. Like they're they're basically playing unprecedented forward ice time compared to every other team. Those two guys, not ever, but in these playoffs, like McDavid is averaging twenty three thirty three per game. You're up four to one. You're tying the series. You're in your own home building. Why would you subject them to that type of behavior in a game that was clearly percolating? That's it doesn't question. make any sense. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 well, knowing coach mentality, uh, usually those three, McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, are the guys, when they're up one goal and, and it's the empty net, they're out there, right? Drysaddle's out for the faceoff and the other ones um, are out there. So, um, I don't care. You're not going to convince me of that being yeah. appropriate. Um, okay. I would say, um, you know, there's one thing that Jim Montgomery said that was really interesting this week as the Bruins finally held their end of season postmortem. And he said, I wish I was in the moment a little bit more. Coaches tend to get wrapped up in everything that's happening and don't, you know, sometimes you just don't think. And I'm not saying that's what Jay Woodcroft did. Maybe he had a plan and, and he just stuck to it. But, you know, Jim Montgomery was kind of hinting at, maybe I should have taken a timeout here. Maybe I should have done this a little bit differently or that. Like you go back and hindsight's always 2020. but I think the emotion of the game and the moment, it tends to just get away from you a little bit. And to take a second to slow down and to think it through – my guess is Jay Woodcroft would probably want to do over in that sense. Yeah, maybe. But again, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're ever thinking the other team's going to tomahawk chop your guy. You know, That's beside the point. What if he, whatever, oh. gets smashed into the boards and has a concussion? What if he, you know, goes knee on knee with someone and blows out an ACL? Like, I'm not saying you need to, you, like, I think the idea of thinking you might get hurt is when you actually do get hurt. But just allow them also to relax. Begin this process of you accomplished something in this game. You did what you were supposed to. Now sit here and listen to the fans basically serenade you in your building. Yeah. I just think there's something to that. Not to belabor the point. I just – I don't know why they're on the ice. Now, and I just looked up the numbers. Uh, Mitch Marner is, is averaging 23-22. McDavid's at 23-32. McKinnon was actually at 23-43 uh, with their lack of depth uh, this year due to injuries. And then Kaprizov, Drysaddle, Comfer, Kopitar, Connor, Matthews, those are all 22-minute-a-night guys. So um, not crazy. Right. I'm talking about the general forward disparity. Like, look at Vegas. And Colby Cohen made this point on our Daily Faceoff Live the other day saying how Bruce Cassidy basically manages his ice time. Yesterday, or sorry, I should say, 
Wednesday in game four, they were chasing it a bit, so their top guys played a bit more. But on a bunch of nights in these playoffs to this point, there's only been one guy on that team that's been north of 20 minutes. And I think that balance helps not just with flow, but also helps with we haven't gotten a long game in overtime yet. Like you never know when that type of balance can really come back to help you not just, you know, in the moment, but later in the game, later in a series, whatever it may be, the, the, the discretion of that I think is, is really interesting to follow. So the NHL, they got to come down with their announcement today. I would assume later this afternoon for Petrangelo, you don't want to wait until the day of the game. I, I would think, uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll see on that. Uh, so Petrangelo and Nurse, um, does Nurse get his uh, automatic one-game suspension rescinded? Is it upheld? And does Petrangelo get suspended? Um, I'm with you, Frank. If he doesn't get suspended, I'll be I'll be shocked, to be honest. I, I think this is one of the easier calls for a suspension. Like it, It's pretty blatant. It you, should be, but there's a million things in play, and I hate the term spin the wheel of justice because I think that's so incredibly disrespectful to the people there that – really do a good job and and try and uphold the precedent. But like I said, there's a lot of factors. It's late in a series now. We're now in, in best of three mode, and he's a significant player. And you can make the argument that it's, you know, it looks bad, but the actual force that it hits him is not as bad. And I know, again, it's crystal clear to me, so I'm not waffling. I just, I think that's what they're talking about today. Before we get to Tyler Remchuk, just one last one. Uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, you were sequestered at the uh, NHL draft lottery on Monday, and uh, Chicago wins. And, and obviously, for a lot of people, that was like worst case scenario. For them. I actually think for Bedard, I can't think of a worse team in the near future. They got no talent there. I'm sorry. Like they, that might be the worst group of players currently around him, especially on the forward group compared to other teams. Now that doesn't mean it won't change in, in a few years, but right now it'll change in the real short term. Yeah. But either way, they just don't have a lot of, of working with. And it's not like there's they a have, they have to add stuff now to surround him and support him so that he has a, a viable chance at a productive rookie season. Yeah. And like keep that, in mind, they have to, yeah. But like, I would argue David, in terms of overall fit for him, like it's probably one of the best. Awesome city to live in, original six franchise with a rabid fan base that just spent 10 million bucks to buy tickets to see you. And they've got a metric shit ton of pack, picks, not just picks, but like really good picks. They had three last year in the first round. They have two this year, including number one overall. They have two each of the next two years following this draft. Yeah. And they've got um, a bunch of second-round picks. So I think what this does, they've never put a timeline on it, but it speeds it up a lot. And I think the other part of you mentioned in terms of supporting him now, they've got so much cap space that it's scary. Oh yeah, they have. A they lot. only have forty-one million bucks committed to next year. That means they can spend, uh, you know, if the cap's going up, like upwards of forty-five million, yeah. forty-some million. And keep in mind, Frank, you've already looked at it. This this might be one of the weakest free agent classes we've seen in a long time. Yeah, so they won't. They're gonna. Yeah. My guess is they're gonna sign a few guys to one or two year deals that can just play with with Bedard and sort of bridge the, the gap between now and and they still want to be bad next year like that's probably the truth is oh like, well they'll be bad make them hey, make no mistake Crosby McDavid they all missed the playoffs their first year like don't Chicago fans you can buy all the tickets you want don't expect your team to make the playoffs it ain't happening but they've got the hardest player that it, there is to get yeah no that's fair so would they bring Patrick Kane back no no okay no I, I think what they want to do is Think back to when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves first got to Chicago. Yeah. There was no sort of overlording veteran that was on them. And it was really, they were able to make it their team. Well, they had Keith and Seabrook too, though. That's what everybody forgets. Like those guys were 23 at that point. Like, yeah, they were, they're 23. They're not 20. No, no, I no, but I just yeah. meant as good players. Like, but I'm saying that core, I don't mean just the two of them, the four of them, those four pillars we're able to make it their own. And I think they want whoever is going to be surrounded by Bedard, meaning 
Kevin Korchinski or whoever these top picks are that, that are going to ultimately be there. They want that to be their experience too. Yeah. They and just it works out good veterans. It works out quite well. Yeah. But the um, actual draft lottery itself, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Like everyone has had their tinfoil hat on like, Oh, it's rigged. And again, so stupid. It's insane. I'm telling you, I, I saw it with my own eyes. Go watch the video that's on NHL.com. You can see the surgical precision with which that draft lottery is executed. The processes that are in place, um, every single aspect of it is on the up and up. And it's actually like exhilarating being in there. I, I thought it was going to be boring and, and sterile and it was quiet. Like the only thing you can hear in the room is, is the whir of the machine and the ping pong balls hitting, but in your brain, as you're seeing this happen in real time, every 20 seconds, they're calling for one of these balls and you can like flip in your, in your, in your sheet, there's a thousand and one combinations. You can begin to cross off like, okay, who's still in the mix as they're calling them out. It is an absolutely wild experience. See, they should do that. They should just do that as the live broadcast. That was my, they would. That's what, that's what I wrote is like behind the scenes. That is It's drama filled enough. Just take that lottery machine and wheel it down the hallway into the studio. And as the balls are coming out, begin to cross off teams with the combinations. Yes. Show everyone in real time. Like we have the ability now with technology. And if you need to increase it to 30 seconds between balls, then do that. We have the technology now to show you in real time what the possibilities are. And can you imagine oh. the drama in a broadcast if you had some like, you know, some some dramatic music and then paused after the third ball and said, here are the six teams that are still in it. Of course. And here's what the number is that they need to get in order for that to, uh, to be their, their guy their pick. And then you like, as you're paused, you're like, Hey, uh, Kyle Davidson, what are you feeling right now? Actually the Anaheim ducks, if you go back and look at it, they had three out of the 11 balls that were still remaining. They have the best shot at 27% to still land Connor Bedard. And they didn't. Yeah. So that, that drama is delicious. Like you don't need to do anything other than that. They like get themselves into trouble where it's like, we got to flip the card. Who gives a shit about the cards? Oh yeah. I get it. So once it's done, you're like, man, like really for the first eight cards, it's like, yep. Yep. Yeah, it was boring. But you do it your way, Frank. Now we know who's in, and it's it's much more intriguing. Um, you also you have the presenter gaff, and it wasn't yeah. Kevin Weeks' fault. They they told him what to read, and he read it. Like you end up with people then are now being like, "Look at the controversy." They don't controversy. The draw no, was done an hour and a half the, before. I know, I know, but I'm saying optically, you open yourself up for that because that's all the general fan really sees is what's broadcast on TV, the presentation of it. No. Stop worrying about the presentation of it and just do it right in front of everyone transparently. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. So why don't they? I, it's, it's a good question. Yeah. Let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I am uh, ready to roll here with a new edition of Fill In. Hey, just wait. Are you uh, are you growing out a mustache? Well, the guys at the office at Oilers Nation give me shit if I shave during a playoff round. So I, I they wanted me to go the whole playoffs in general until the Oilers are out without shaving anything. And I think we all remember November. Nobody wants to relive that experience of my facial hair. So yeah. I can only shave in between playoff rounds. Tyler wasn't allowed near school zones in November. Yeah, it was a rough month. <laughs> there you go this is the result Stephen ellis said i went to the austin matthews school of playoff beards um and mm -hmm. that's well that's quite the insult anyways uh let's get into fill in the blank for this week starting with uh, well you guys were just talking draft lottery so i got a couple for that one uh the chicago blackhawks will make a trade for not a top six forward a top line forward before the end of the offseason frank you buying or selling Selling, uh, I don't think they're giving up any future assets to do that. So if they're going to acquire a top line forward, which I don't, I'm not entirely certain exists on the free agent market, uh, that would be their path. Unless what they could do is um, 
like, let me throw a hypothetical at you. There's a team out there that is trying to get rid of a player. Uh, salary cap reasons. Like, uh, I've been talking about the Canucks and Connor Garland. Like, I don't know that he's authentically a top-line player on any team, but at $5 bucks, you get paid to take him, and you now have another support piece for Connor Bedard. Connor and Connor, we're in business. Yeah. I, I will sell on it being a top line player, but if it's a complimentary top six forward, lock it in. I think that's what they'll go after. Next season, they have eight forwards under contract right now. Only three of them make more than a million dollars, and their highest paid forward is Tyler Johnson. Uh, Frank, you mentioned- Who's on his absolute last leg, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like he might, he might not have a leg left. Uh, but Frank, you mentioned the Canucks. I mean, what about a guy like Brock Besser in Chicago? Just get a guy who can score next to Bedard and kind of keep up with him a little bit. I think that would be a decent fit. Um, stylistically, I'm not convinced that is a good fit just because Besser, he should, like, by nature of his game, it was weird the last couple of years he's had more assists than goals, but he should be a shooter. And Bedard, we know, is a shooter. He's got the best release, might even have a better release than Austin Matthews. Um, it's, I don't know that, I don't know if it's a stylistic fit, but I get exactly what you're saying. Then that's the same vein that I'm thinking in. But I, I can tell you from the calls that the Canucks have made, they're way more interested in moving Garland. All right. Uh, Brock Besser, yeah, it's, it's been odd. He's been out there for quite some time. And I, I would, he just needs a reset, I think. That's all. And it might be just in Vancouver. He just needs a mental reset. Definitely, like, the most dramatic part of the NHL draft this year was what we already saw with Connor Bedard. But I would say on draft day, the thing people will be watching for the most is where does Matvey Mitchkov go? I'm going to say he falls outside of the top five. Jason, are you buying or selling on that? Well, I'm going to sell because the San Jose Sharks would be absolutely foolish not to take him. This is this prospect sets up as one of the best opportunities for a franchise if they don't have the blinders on. Most NHL teams can't help themselves. They want to rush these kids to the NHL. We've seen it time and time again. 18, 19-year-old players come to the NHL. They're terrible. They lose all their confidence. And some of them never get it back for many, many years. Mishkov's going to stay in the KHL for three more seasons. You know, you can come out there. He's going to be 21. Like, Leon Dreisaitl, a Hart Trophy winner, wasn't good and ready for the NHL until he was 20. And he played in North America for a few years. So, to me... Um, you'd be foolish. None of these, like San Jose is not going to be good right away. This to me would be an ideal pick for an organization like San Jose that needs a few years to still try to get rid of bad contracts and overpaid guys. Um, so I'm going to say, I can't see teams letting this guy fall. No, it'd, it'd be foolish to me. Frank? I'm going to sell. I think... I, I really struggle with this because I could see him making a lot of sense in Montreal too. The timeline is a little bit out of whack because I think they're going to be better before then. But could you imagine a team that's kind of building to that point and then plops him in in 2026 or seven, whenever that is? It makes a lot of sense. And I know that Ken Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon have had the long view in mind, but there's also a couple Boston kids that are in the mix and they have a heavy Boston slant. So that part kind of throws me off. I don't think it'll be Arizona. I really wonder about the Washington Capitals at eight, the Russian connection. Like if anyone can help Matvey Mishkov get out of a contract or get out of any sort of potential issues, isn't it? Isn't it Alex Ovechkin? It's definitely OV. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I hey, like, uh, he's got Putin on speed dial. Like, it can happen. Yeah, like, what about even Columbus, man? Like, Columbus has always looked for a game breaker. Now, they went out inside Gaudreau, I understand it, and Line A, but I, I wouldn't put it past them either. And, and like, the biggest thing I don't that see I, it. And, you know, I've told that Columbus has at least had a few scouts that have seen him. Now, none of their, you know, none of their big guys, as Craig Button told us uh, last week. But, you know, to me, that's – but. I don't even know if you have to see the guy that much. Like every, every scout who had seen him before, they rave about the guy. So I think that I think if, if he didn't have a contract, Frank, I think people would do strongly talk about him going number two. 
I think Yarmo Kekalainen's job's on the line. I don't think he can wait four years. Okay, that's to, fair. To get a, a guy in there. I just don't. So I, that's part of the self-preservation aspect of this conversation is, do you have a GM that has balls big enough to say, I might not even see this player play on our team. I might not be in this job. I don't, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge bet to make. It really is. And you could yeah, look like sure. an absolute genius. Yeah. Like, I just think I know Stephen Ellis did his mock draft up at dailyfaceoff.com, his first one of the year, and he had him going six. He had him falling outside of the top five. But I agree with you in the sense that, like, even some of these teams, you mentioned Montreal, Frank, but, like, San Jose especially, Greg's, you're not going to be good for the next few years. So why would you want to waste a top prospect and a guy who could be an impact player? Why would you want to waste his ELC? This is almost like, like a blessing in disguise, I think. Like, look at Montreal. They rushed Cockety Emery. Stupid. Right then, uh, even uh, last year, right Slavkovsky, he wasn't ready. What the hell were they doing with him? So th- this will soundproof them from themselves. That's why it's a safe pick. Yeah, I, I love. It's that the point. safe, risky pick. I love how we like. It's amazing. Like, I don't think it's that risky, personally. But what if we build him up and you wait all this time and he's no good? Like, wow, there's he, always the possibility yeah. that that exists. We had Nail Yakupov drafted number one. Like, let me remind everyone. Yeah, that's one guy, sure. But I, hey, there's there's lots of other picks that have gone. But they three, had four, the pick five. of the litter, and that's who they selected. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was a bad pick. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. Let's but, not pretend like it's a full fledged 100 percent thing because it's not. Yeah. Well, not yeah, but none of the guys are. Carlson's not a full fledged thing. Connor Bedard is a. Oh, yeah, but he's not. We're not talking about him. He's Thanks, not going. Man. He's already going number one. Yeah, but <laughs> I just I don't know that I'm willing to make that bet. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I got a buy or sell question on the other thing you guys hit on today, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers new era in Philly. I'm going to say they are out of the playoffs for at least three more seasons. You buying or selling, Frank? Buying, and I'm going to say it's longer than that. Oh, yikes. See, and I even had two written down. Then I was like, no, I need to get more aggressive to get these guys to split up on an answer finally. but Jay, They haven't even begun the teardown yet. Yeah. Three more years. They don't have anything in their system coming. It's ugly. Cutter Gauthier, I mean, he's it. Like that's the piece. But I'm saying outside of him, they're they don't they're not they're not checking multiple positional boxes. They're not they don't have depth piled up. And even the guys that they have are currently are not getting it done. So how like what's the path for them to get to the playoffs in in the next three years? I just don't see one. Well, you guys know my view on it. I've looked into it lots. Uh, eight years for a lot of times for a rebuild. I know fans don't want to hear it. Well, it's been three years of the play- no playoffs for Philly. It's going to be at least four more. Ah, ugly, 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 ugly. Well, that's a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank. Thanks, guys. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The one cool thing about Philly, though, is if you do it right, 
Like, look at the Sixers. Like, ha- people oh, yeah. people roll around trust in the this process. TTP, they roll around with TTP bumper stickers. Trust the process. Yeah. Like, the, the difference is you got to actually get a Joel Embiid to do yeah. it. But, like, True. if you if you can sell them on it, like, they're in. They're not dumb. And they're tired of being – I think they're tired of having the wool pulled over their eyes of these quick fixes that never amounted to anything. Now, the, the problem is, Frank, as you alluded to earlier, that they're not going to be that good, but Tortorella is going to make, we're going to work our rear ends off, so guess what? We're going to get a 6-10 to 10 pick, and we're never going to get a top 5 pick. And guess what? When you draft 6-10, to 10, now sure, you can find some players, right? There's been guys in that zone that turn out to be really good. Right, Mark Shifley, pretty good player. Logan Couture, pretty good player. We can go down the list of guys in the 6-10 to 10 range. But it's rare that you get an elite superstar, 6-10. to 10. And that's just, most teams have a real top-end guy. Like Matthew Kachuk probably, you know, and he was sixth. You know, when you look at really impact players recently, he'd probably be the highest one. Hmm. Do the Leafs pull it out? No. Um, sorry, Leaf fans. Um, hey, I love drama. I'd love to see it. I called the Leafs to win game four. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think they would go out with, with just playing terrible. Like, I don't I don't think Florida's like a 3-1 team. In, like, they weren't a 3-0 team better than Toronto. But guess what? Once you get those wins, you don't have to give them back. And now you're going to have to play perfect hockey three more nights in a row. And... I That's hard to do. Like yeah. they, that, that was their best defensive game. The, the Florida Panthers generated very little offense, very little offense in that game. So you give Toronto a boatload of credit. And I think it's an easy decision on who's going to start in goal for game five right now. But now you come home, Frank, and I think there's actually more pressure on them there. So I, I was going to say, I think if you're Florida, you now play up the idea of let's just get an early lead. Watch this building turn on its team. Yeah. So, although I won't be surprised if Toronto wins game five, right? And that's probably the part of me who just likes drama to build up. But we've seen lots of teams, Frank, come back and it's three to two. And then, boo, it's just, it's so difficult to win four consecutive games at any point in the playoffs. It's, it's rare. Yeah. Whether so, it's the first four or the next four, doesn't matter. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't think they will. I, I could see him pushing it to six, though. Interesting. You? Uh, no, I, I'm with you. I, there's no margin for error. And even like, even in game four, once the Panthers cut it to two to one in the third on the power play, like it was like, hold on to your butts. Like there's a chance this goes to overtime and, and the Panthers win it then like on a night that the, the Leafs played a mostly perfect game. Like they still were teetering on the edge at varying points in the final four minutes of blowing it. Yeah. So it's, Good for them that two of their core four pieces stepped up, but in my opinion, too little, too late. Hey, what about the greatest unexpected story of the 2023 playoffs? What, the hagiography surrounding Miro Haskinen? Uh, No. Okay, sorry. We'll get to that. Jordan Martinuk. Zero points in round one, and he is crushing it. He's got nine points. He's only the third player in NHL history. Lanny McDonald in 1984 had uh, no points in one round. Then he got 13 in seven games the next round. And Craig Janney in 1988 had an offer in the second round and then picked up nine points in the uh, the third round. That's it. That's the only three guys. So, really, if Martinuk gets a point, he'll join McDonald's. The only guys ever to go double digits after putting up a goose egg. And Jordan Martinuk is not supposed to be an offensive guy. Like, I love stories like this. Me too. That dressing room, he's very popular. He's a really good dude. That we had him on the pod. He's yeah. go go back a number of, go back 150 episodes. We had him on. He's I love that story. Oh, it's awesome. Like, and right now, Frank, it's really the only reason to watch that series. It's been blowout central in that series. It's crazy to six, one, five, one, six, one, and then eight, four win by the devils. Like it's amazing how none of those games have been close. I was going to say, this is sounds wrong for me to say, knowing that this is what I do for a living. This has been a very uncompelling round in general. Like there's been so many blowouts where are we going to get the drama? 
Well, I think, honestly, you look in the West, it's now a best of three for both series. So there is drama now. There's also the Petrangelo nurse suspension. But every game, once it starts, has been a blowout. Like, you you knew in the first five minutes. I can't continue, right? You knew in the first five minutes on Wednesday night that the Oilers were winning that game by a wide margin. Yeah, that's fair. But you knew the other night that, that the Golden Knights were probably doing the same thing. Like, it just, it makes you, like, turn it off, honestly. I, I agree. Like there hasn't been a lot of in-game drama except in the Toronto series. Those games have been close. So I got to give that series credit. Those games, what are they? Three, two, three, two, two, one, four, two. They've all been close. Um, there is the intrigue of a team now. Like, can they come back? So that's a storyline, but the best of three Dallas, Seattle, like something tells me now, Frank, like I'll be blown away if both game fives in the West are blowouts and at least not competitive. Like they could be, but I, I'd be shocked if both are. I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. Honestly, I really yeah. don't. But that Every makes time you watch, you, right? Because you don't know what to expect. Yeah, 100%. Every time you think you've got it nailed down, the Bruins blow a tire in the last minute of Game 7. Yeah. So now let's get to your uh, your Heiskanen storyline. Oh, I was just saying, like, it was more just making fun of the storyline. Like, player takes puck off face really significant piece to the Dallas stars and comes back and plays with a bubble. Like Heiskanen was fine in, in the next game. Like I'm not saying he was bad, but he wasn't like otherworldly either. And the like, you just read like story after story. Like, look at this guy. He's a warrior. It's like, this has been the test of time in the Stanley cup playoffs. Like no, he's not the first guy to take a puck in the face. He's, he's like, playing. he's the, he's not even the first guy this series. Like, I mean this round, honestly. Um, so I just like, I just think I, I love the term hagiography. Like, I think that is a perfect uh, description for it. And if you don't know what that means, it it's a hagiography is a noun, the writing of the lives of saints. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Like, like you, you turn these players into deities and I, I just like, I, I love the narrative because like hockey players are tough and like, that's true, but he's no different than anyone else that's come before him. So yeah. he played a fine game and I'm certainly admirable. Uh, it's admirable. And I appreciate that he's out there, but let's pee the B pump the brakes. So it's best of three in the West. It's 3-1 in both Easts. Who um, who do you like in the West? Who's winning the best of threes? Um, I think Dallas and Edmonton. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, and one uh, one last one for you, Frank, to, uh, to wrap up uh, episode 217. You don't give the Devils any chance, right? Because we no, talked about. No, not. Down 3-1. to one. Really, like, that, they've been in one game. The last blowout was the one that was like, that was your opportunity. Yeah, like, and they scored early, and it was Hughes and Meyer, and you're thinking, okay, these guys are building some momentum for the next game, and then... I said it before the game, I think. I know I said it, I don't know if I said it on this pod, if whoever won that game four won the series. Yeah. And the Canes, and the fashion with which they did it, like, yeah. the faces of the Devils players, and then also, I don't know if you saw some of the clips on social media, the faces of the Devils fans leaving the arena. <laughs> did you see it? Yes. A couple of them were like legitimately like bawling. Yeah. I know that's what Tyler does after the Oilers lose, but um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know. <laughs> what? What? Like you said, what? I just said, hey, now, come on. Yeah. <laughs> all in good fun. Uh, he's got the tears dripping down and caught by his mustache before they go into his lip. That mustache ain't catching anything. That's like <laughs> me getting out of the shower and trying to dry myself with toilet paper. <laughs> um, uh, what, one last one. You, a quick one about um, uh, Brad Tree Living and, uh, and the Calgary Flames. Like, obviously, they... You had you'd put a tweet out that the Flames might not let him have discussions until June 30th. You think they stick with that? And and why would be my question. I Why? Well, they're petty. They're acting petty. They, for a team that, quote, in their press release, mutually agreed to part ways, I don't, I just don't think that's how you treat people. Like, you saw the emotion on the face of Don Maloney and 
their CEO, John Bean, and talking about Brad Tree Living and his impact. So this tells you that it's not coming from them. This is coming directly from their owner, the man in Switzerland, as I like to call him. Uh, he's vindictive. No one tells him no. And look, contractually, he has every right to do that. You've hired a guy and you've paid him for the last nine years handsomely to work for your team. And you can do that. It's not how I would run my business. I don't think it's how any team should or any business should. If you have someone that has an opportunity elsewhere, that's better for them. And you've already established that they're leaving. Why would you stand in someone's way? So I'm, I don't know if it'll ultimately hold up, but I know that at least for the, this round of the last couple hires, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I think there's been interest, but they haven't been, they haven't given permission. And I'll be curious to see, does that stick if there are other openings, if there's an opening in Ottawa or Toronto or whatever it might be, do they stick to those guns? I, I think they should I would urge them to strongly reconsider. Frank, have a great weekend. We will uh, chat with you on Monday, and uh, we could have some teams heading to the third round. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.